0: This is the last Sunday of a year, the year 2013. We're about to embark upon a brand new year, which of course will be 2014. Time has a, uh, we keep time in different ways. A lot of us are always uh, looking at the watch or we're looking at the digital clock up there to make sure that we're doing things on time. Many of you have a calendar in your phone or your tablet and you use that calendar electronic. Some people still write it out and keep a daily diary. You know, God keeps time differently than we do. The Scripture says that a day unto the Lord is as a thousand years, which tells me that, that He is not bound by our constraints of time, but yet I think He allows us and I think He enjoys and is honored by the fact that we want to turn the page on what we call a calendar year and look back at what we've accomplished and thank Him for His blessings and then press on and move forward to what lies ahead for us in 2014. Some of you may look back at 2013 and want to just toss it out the window. You, you didn't enjoy it. Uh, you're ready to be rid of it and you're hoping that uh, good things, better things you will have in 2014. For most of us, it's probably a a mixed bag of things. You look back at the past and there's heartache uh, as well as happiness. There's joy. There's sadness. It really depends on the ebb and flow of life. You know, during this Christmas season, our daily Bible readings, and keep in mind, we plan all of our Sunday worship experiences based upon daily Bible readings that we're sharing together as a church during the previous week. And all during the month of December, we've been focusing on this tree over here. It's called a Jesse tree. We didn't invent it. Uh, I think it's a great idea. There were some people several centuries ago in a Celtic tradition that made up and began to celebrate Christmas by counting the days from the 1st of December all the way to Christmas Day with a Jesse tree. The ornaments on this tree have etchings on them. And you remember we looked at several of them, uh, on the Sundays. We read about all of them, but you have a cross that's etched on this one, and you have a gift that's etched on that one, and you've got the, the figure of Joseph here, and the, the three wise men, and Jesus in the manger. We talked about how this tree tells a story of God's love for us, His desire that we be redeemed, that we come back into fellowship with Him. And of course, the readings were December 1 to 24. There are 24 ornaments on this Jesse tree. The 25th day of Christmas, we focus on the candle at the very top, and we lit that candle on Christmas Eve because that's the Christ candle. Each one of these stories, you remember, is also what we refer to as a thin place, A thin place. What is such a place? A thin place is when the distance distance between God and you and me is so thin. We are so close to him. We feel his presence unlike at any other time. Christmas can indeed be a thin place. I mean, how much closer could God be to his people than in sending his only son, Emmanuel, God with us? We talked about how a thin place can be a joyous time. It can also be a sad time. For there are times when you may go through a tragedy or trial, when things are not going your way. But if you're listening and if you're looking, you can realize that God is ever near. It can be one of the thinnest places you've ever lived in and experienced. So even though our readings regarding Christmas are done... The last few days of 2013 in our Bible readings, we've been focusing on some different things. And I want to focus on one other thin place today. It's a prayer. It's that prayer that many people know by heart. In the Greek New Testament, it's only 72 words long. You can say it in 30 seconds or less. Many people refer to it as the Lord's Prayer. It's found in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9 and reading through verse 13. It's also found a parallel passage in Luke chapter 11, though the wording is just slightly different. The Lord's Prayer, it's called. It's called that because Jesus prayed it. I like to think of it as the model prayer. For I think in this prayer we have the, the basic formula for any and every prayer that we could ever pray. So I call it a prayer for every day, a model prayer, indeed, the Lord's Prayer. And it's not that we're required to pray this prayer verbatim, word for word, every day that we live, though there's certainly nothing wrong with that. But I want us to look on this last day of 2013 at a thin place, a model prayer, where if we will... Make this prayer our framework for prayer. It can truly help us to move into 2014, knowing that we're following God's will. You know, I used to think that the only prayers ever found—that prayer was invented in the Bible. You, know, you go back and read the prayers of the Old Testament. You read the the songs that are prayers, actually. And then you come to a place like this in Matthew's Gospel where Jesus prays and then you read some of the prayers of Paul that are going to be found in his letters. And I just automatically assumed that prayer was unique to the Bible, but I was wrong about that. Prayer is universal. Prayer is very pagan, as a matter of fact. That's why this prayer, this model prayer is so significant because when Jesus prayed it, when he taught us this prayer, when this prayer was written down, it wasn't that the Jews had a corner on prayer. It wasn't just that those who believed in Almighty God understood or invented the word prayer. The pagan world was saturated with prayer. They simply were misguided. That's why this model prayer is so significant and meaningful for people like you and me. In the first century world, when Jesus was walking around, the Roman Empire was uh, uh, in charge of everything. And the typical Roman household would be a, a, a place where prayers were offered every day. Matter of fact, every typical Roman home had a little place out in the corner of the house where they had their their domestic deities. They were called. You almost would think of them as as your your pets. Little statues statues or trinkets. For they prayed to everything. They prayed to the God of the sun, hoping that the sun would would burn just right so that the crops could grow. They would pray to the the God of thunder, that, that the thunder would come and the rains would follow. Everything was a deity to the Roman household. And so they prayed to anything and everything. And yet here, Jesus offers us a different view of prayer. Oh, back midweek, just a few days ago, I went online and Googled the phrase pagan prayer. Millions of hits on the world wide web relate to pagan prayer. But the one that hit the top of the list, the first page, the top entry, was to a, a pagan website, a pagan prayer website. And this is what the the top paragraph said. I'm going to read from it. It says, Everyone has problems with money, with love, with health and protection. Few of us go through life smoothly. Some of us have found a method of taking control of our lives. It's magic, spells, or you might call it prayer. But it uses the movement of natural energy to bring about much-needed change. It means we can take control of ourselves and our lives by turning negatives into positives. Rituals, spells, prayers can be performed by anyone who has a problem and wishes to correct it. Or as with the prayers that ask for protection, for safety, to put your thoughts, hopes, and wishes out there. So that they may manifest. Not through supernatural forces but with the use of natural, real energy. I mean, that's right now. Prayers, pagan prayers, godless prayers, if you will. You see, our world is saturated with prayer. People are crying out to something, to someone, almost every moment of every day. Some of them are just... Shots in the dark. If you're out there, whoever you are, then speak to me or do this or do that. See, we're saturated with prayer. That's why this prayer, this model prayer, deserves our close attention. Because this is our framework for speaking with the God who created all things out of nothing, who created us and put us here, who loves us, who desires for us to be right with him. So that's what I want to do this morning with the time we have. I want to look at the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, 72 words. And let's see where God's Word will lead us. The prayer, very simply stated, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, pray then in this way. And here it is. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. There it is. The Lord's prayer. The model prayer. What do we find here? If we look at it not as just a prayer we pray word for word every day as though there's no other prayer to pray, but we see its true meaning as giving us a framework for all of our prayers. Let's just take it a verse at a time. That first verse, the ninth verse, the opening words of this model prayer teach us in no uncertain terms that the model prayer, every prayer should always honor the name of God. To honor the character of God and to honor His name. Our Father who art in heaven, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. A couple of those words there are interesting. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Name. In the Hebrew Old Testament, it's four consonants, Y-H-W-H. We've added in some vowel sounds to make it easy to pronounce. When God gave his name to Moses, he said, my name is I am that I am. In Hebrew, it's Yahweh. Jews who were serious about their commitment to God determined centuries ago that they would never utter that name out loud, that the name of God was so holy that you would never utter Yahweh with your lips. And so they substituted other letters and came up with the word Jehovah. But when you find Lord mentioned in the Scripture, whether Old or New Testament, it's always a designation of God's personal name, Yahweh I Am. The model prayer tells us that that name is to be honored, that it is to be hallowed. Hallowed be your name? Strange word. You go to almost any modern literal translation and they're going to all agree and they use that same word, hallowed. Some will use the word holy, but it's two different words. It means they're closely related. To be holy, to be hallowed, to hallowed be the name of God, to keep it that way, is to always set it aside and to know that it's different, that it's set apart. And as his name is different from any other name, we are to be different in the way we live as well. It harkens back to those ten commandments and the third commandment. You remember it? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, it says. How often growing up did I absolve myself of breaking the third commandment because I simply said, I will never say the name of God and a cuss word, a profanity, and utter them with my lips. That's taking the name of the Lord in vain. It is, it is cussing with God's name involved. That's not what it means. It literally means you shall not take the name of the Lord your God and hold it up for nothing. That changes everything. So no longer can I say I have kept the spirit of the third commandment because I'm not pagan enough, I'm not vile enough, I'm not mean enough to take God's name and couple it with a profanity, with a cuss word. But if I hold forth the name of God and claim to be his child and have nothing to show for it, I've broken the third commandment. How many times do we live out lives day in and day out, and we claim to be God's children, but in the big picture, we have nothing to show for our commitment. You see, the model prayer begins with God honoring his name, but it continues. And this model prayer not only tells us that we are to honor God's name, but we are to what? The model prayer tells us that we're to acknowledge God's will as the best, as supreme. He states it this way, verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's he mean by that? God's will. We often think of God's will culminating, that everything being made right, when what happens? When Jesus returns again, and he will return one day. We call it his second coming. The scripture is very clear about that. And one day God will call everything to its end, and we'll be brought up together into heaven. And we will spend eternity in heaven. And for most of us, we think of God's will as out there. It's, I'm going to heaven. It's eternity. It's God's kingdom Being lived out through eternity. And there's truth to that. But that's not what the prayer says. The prayer says your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. You know what that means? That means that the prayer for the here and now is not I'm going to just live every day hoping I'll go to heaven someday. But it's I want to bring God's will and God's kingdom to earth. You see the difference? If our prayers truly honor God, then we're going to understand that it's not all about what's going to happen way out there when God brings everything to its proper close and we're ushered into eternity. But it's in the here and now bringing his presence and making his kingdom known to those upon this earth who need it most. That means we're living out our salvation. We're living the abundant life today. 2013. 2014. We look forward to what? To bringing God's will and bringing God's kingdom to this earth in what we say and what we do. You see, the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, it honors God in His name and it honors His will being brought to this earth as being the greatest. Now, the prayer turns its focus at this point away from God and toward us. And that's okay. It begins to deal with our personal needs. I think it's very significant that prayer doesn't begin with our personal needs. Prayer begins with honoring God. Prayer begins by honoring His name, by acknowledging His will, and praying for His will to be done in your life. And then, when you have that focus upon God, then it's okay to draw attention to your needs. But most often, what happens is we go straight from our Father to, I'm needy. I want this. I need that. Lord, I'm hurting. Lord, heal me. See, prayer can become nothing more than a personal gripe session to God when we don't honor Him first. That's why the model prayer honors God First. That's why the model prayer honors his will as best first. Then we turn toward our needs. And look what it says. It says that this model prayer tells us that God does care. He is concerned with our basic needs, with our basic wants, with what we need in life. We depend upon Him. How does it say it? Give us this day. Our daily bread. A lot of people make a big deal out of that word bread. Going to take it literally? Yeah, you can. You're talking about food, sustenance? Yes. But bread encompasses so much more. It's a symbol, in a sense. It's praying, that one word... Give us this day our daily bread. Give us the food that we need. Give us the basic needs of life, whatever they may be. Supply us, Lord. We depend upon you. See, the lesson to be learned there is the same one the children of Israel had to learn in the wilderness wanderings when God led them from Mount Sinai to the Promised Land. Should have only taken them three weeks to get there, but it took them 40 years because of disobedience. And how did God provide for them? He led them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And then when they were hungry, he sent them manna, a food substance. They were able to pick that manna up. And they thought they would get ahead of the game. And so they began to grab it and to store it in, what, sacks. They began to try to preserve it with salt, maybe. They tried to store it ahead of time, but then they found out very quickly that the manna wore out every day. It was gone at the end of the day. They had to depend upon God to supply them each and every day. As good and as worthy as the idea of preparing ahead of time and saying, I'm going to set aside and save, that's good, sound financial advice, but there are times in life when God says, no, you're not going to put anything back for a rainy day. You're going to learn what it means to depend upon me. And so the model prayer acknowledges our total dependence upon God. And we know there's a difference between needs and wants. Have you figured that one out yet? What you need, that's what the prayer is about. What we want, okay, if God so blesses us, if we're able to satisfy some of those desires, nothing inherently wrong with that unless that becomes the only focus. Because you see, the model prayer gives us a framework to acknowledge our complete dependence upon God. The model prayer does something else. Once again, the attention has been turned toward our own lives. And this model prayer emphasizes our need to forgive and to be forgiven. You know, you think of, if you had to determine... And write out what you got to do to get along with people. Relationship 101. What better way to put it than to go straight to the heart of the matter? Because if we get forgiveness correct, if we practice forgiveness in the biblical way, then everything else in relationships is going to work its way out one way or the other. Everything else will fall into place. It's like that verse, uh, Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom and... All of the things will be added unto you. Well, I think the same principle is drawn out here. That you get a hold of forgiveness and practice it and understand what it means. And then all those other issues of life are going to take care of themselves. That's pretty amazing. Because you see, this is a model prayer. It gives us a framework. It's a scaffolding, if you will, where we're able to use prayer as that that, that pattern by which we create the life that God wants us to live. How so? Well, he says, the model prayer talks about our need to be forgiven as well as to forgive. You see, that's what salvation is all about. That's what this Jesse tree is all about. The lineage of Jesus through the root of Jesse. That this story is all about our not getting what we deserve, but our getting... Grace. God has forgiven us. But how can we receive and how can we understand that forgiveness if we're not willing to turn and to forgive others? We all deal with it. We all fail in this effort from time to time. But it doesn't change the fact that this model prayer was created So that we could take care of our relationship with God ultimately has got to be understanding and receiving that forgiveness through Christ. But then in turn, in order to live out and for that will of God to be done upon this earth as it is in heaven. In order for us to do those things and to pray for our daily needs to be met. How can we do that if we're not willing to extend that forgiveness to those around us? We need forgiveness and we need to extend forgiveness. You do an inventory of your life right now, how many nanoseconds will it take for you to hit the point of contention? I'll guarantee you it probably has something to do with a grudge, with forgiveness or unforgiveness. Doesn't it? Think of it right now. Just fixate on it right here. Am I right? Of course I am. That's why this is part of the model prayer. The model prayer. Emphasizes and asserts the very power of God over evil. That's why it says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Okay, no, no wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I got a problem here. It's all around this word temptation. Lead us not into temptation. That Greek word can be taken one of two ways. Just like it is inferred here. that temptation is enticement to sin. Or this word can be taken to be a trial. Now you make your choice here. You look at the whole sweep of Scripture. Does the Scripture teach us that God baits us to sin? No. Is God out here trying to trip us up? When we say, Lord, lead us not into temptation, it's God, watch your step and, and don't be mean and, and trip us up and lead us into something. No, it's not that. But God does allow us to be tested, doesn't he? Scripture's filled with, with instances where trials and tribulations come our way. And God allows these things as a, a time of testing. So when you see it that way, then this passage says what? Lord, Lead us not into temptation would mean when that time of trial comes my way, I want to, I want to pass. I don't want to fail. Lord, help me. Help me when the time of trial comes my way, when, when the opportunity comes for me to, to be tested, to see if I'm truly committed to you. I pray I pass. I pray I have victory. It's not, Lord, you know, change your mind and quit tripping me up. That's not the God we serve. And when it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, go ahead and add one to that because it's personal. Lead us not, deliver us from the evil one. It's not a principle of evil he's talking about here. It's not just the concept of bad things. It's a personal manifestation of of evil. Call him Satan, call him the devil, call him the Antichrist, call him whatever you want. But make no mistake, the language here in God's word is that this is a personal manifestation of evil. It exists today. And so the prayer is, Father, if the time of testing comes my way, I pray I pass. I pray I succeed. And I'm delivered from the power of the evil. And then it closes, for thine is a kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. There's a story of a young family. The young husband and father was beside himself. He'd gotten himself into trouble. He didn't know what to do. So he just sat out on the front of his house worrying about it. A so-called friend came by and sat down to him and said, I've heard you've gotten yourself into some trouble. Is that true? Yes. I can help you. How? Well, if you'll just turn a deaf ear and a blind eye, if you'll take this money and deliver it over here and not say anything about it, then everything can be okay. What what his so-called friend was asking him to do was to cheat, was to get out of a tough Situation by dishonest means. And the young husband and father was contemplating the decision he ought to make. And it was just at that moment when maybe he would have gone this way or he would have gone that way that the mother of his child, his young wife, came out holding the child and said, Honey, can you hold the baby for a moment? I have an errand I need to run. And he took the baby in his arms and he looked at his own child. And it was though through the eyes of his own child, this message was spoken to him. I am your bones. I am your flesh. Your soul is my soul. And whatever steps you lead, I will follow. You see, my friends, it may be that one of the greatest deterrents to sin Is simply understanding and knowing that my sin doesn't just affect me, but it can be devastating to many people, to those I love, to those around me. You see, that's why this is a model prayer. It's not a spell, it's not a ritual, it's not some passing of positive energy. To make life better. This is a framework for a conversation that we need to have with God every day that we live. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come before you. To acknowledge your presence here in this place. To ask you to speak to us and to, to know that you hear us when we pray. And Father, that's why we Take this last Sunday of the year 2013, however you count it, however you view it, in our minds it's the last Lord's Day of a year and we're about to turn the page on a new one. And so we ask that in this place, that it be a thin place, this be a place where you meet us, where you speak to us, where your your presence is ever close to us. And help us to take that knowledge and to take that relationship and to take the opportunity to pray a prayer like the model prayer that we might call upon your name. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. We close our service this morning with a a song of commitment. The band's going to be playing a final song. And I'm going to be standing right down here in the front. For I'm going to be standing here because it could well be that there's someone in this room and you need to make a commitment, a choice that is one that you need prayer, you need help. It needs to be a a public commitment. What would it be? Well, if you're here today and you have never said yes to the claim of Jesus upon your life, you've never prayed and asked him to come into your heart to forgive your sin, to to fill your life with his spirit, to lead you and guide you. We call it a, a profession of faith Stepping across that line of faith. You might refer to it as, as making a conversion decision, as getting saved. You can put any words to it you want to, but the choice has got to be one that you make. that says yes to the Lord. I want you to come and tell me that. If I can pray for you, help you, I want to do that. Make no mistake, I can't make that choice for you. But I certainly can help guide and encourage. So I'm standing here. Maybe the desire of your heart today is to, is to find a place to plug in, a church which you can belong to. Maybe it's this church. Maybe this is where you attend regularly. Maybe, maybe this is where God is leading you to serve. Is membership in a church important? I believe it is to be a part of God's family, a local community, a church to call your own. So how do you join a church like ours? You come forward. You believe in Jesus. You plant your life here. That helps us to encourage you to put a a face and a name together. And then we encourage you to be a part of what we do here at our church. We're not the only church around here. Great churches everywhere around us. But the point is, find the one where you can serve. And if it be us, if it be our church, I want to ask you to come forward and join with us today. Maybe you're here today and the prayer we've gone over, you've heard over and over and over again. But maybe it... Maybe it's stuck today. Maybe you begin to see that truly this is a framework you need in your life for prayer. For so many of us say we believe in it. We just need help. We don't know how to put the pieces together. Well, here you go. Here it is. Jesus gave it to us. It's a perfect model. Use it. Maybe all you need today is just someone to encourage you. Someone to pray for you. Kenneth's going to be on one side of the room. Shannon will be on the other. And they're simply here to say, we'll pray for you not guide you, not judge you, we'll pray for you. That's our invitation. We stand together, we sing. once you step out and respond as God leads right now.